Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. Discerninghearts.com presents St. Teresa of Avila, Spiritual Warfare and the Progress of the Soul with Dan Burke, who is the founder and president of the Avila Institute for Spiritual Formation. He's also the co-host of the Divine Intimacy radio show with his wife, Stephanie. He is the author and editor of more than 17 books on Catholic spirituality, including Devil in the Castle, the book on which this series is based. St. Teresa of Avila, Spiritual Warfare and the Progress of the Soul, with Dan Burke. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Well, I'm so glad you brought that up, because when you look at Ignatius, for example, so much of the 30-day exercises and even the, you know, of what we've come to understand as the, the first week and second week rules, that it's just a little little couple lines, you know, given the, the big structure of the exercises. He was influenced and slowed down in his thought because he was reacting so strongly to the promptings by his experience with the Benedictines, by going back and uh, Montserrat, wasn't it, that he had the experience of, okay, I'm gonna, I have to slow down. I'm going to get into scripture. He was able to mark the times of the days and so much of his exercises, as Teresa will do too, I mean, it is marked by that entrance in the scripture to help give them balance, again, to slow you down. And the Benedictines and the Dominicans, and as you said, that it all because it all flows from the same spirit. Mm-hmm. And their shared experience over all of that, whether you're Bridget of Sweden, for example, here she is, she had mystical experiences, but it was because of being with the Cistercians prior to that, she was able to bring it back, slow it down, mm. and to listen. They all learn that listening with the ears of your heart, mm. you know, and and to see with the eyes of your heart. And for Teresa in the Sixth Mansion, to bring it back to her, as she's recounting what you said, and you have brought forward so clearly that you can tell when it's authentic, that's important for us as individuals, but it's also important for us as those who will hear others in our times who come out very strongly and say they are experiencing messages. Yeah. Now that's where it begins to get, I'll I'll just use a term in our vernacular, it gets dicey. It gets very weird because the devil has all the time in the world. Mm -hmm. He's outside of time. And so stages can be lifted and built up really high and then boy, it can cause a lot of problems, can it, Dan? Yeah, and the challenge of our time in particular related to what you're saying is that the darkness continues to descend. There's no indication other than in pockets, discerning hearts, Apostoli VA, beautiful little Carmelite and Benedictine communities and Clear Creek Abbey. And there's these pockets of where I see renewal and health emerging. But but in terms of the macro, it's descending quite dramatically that, that so many are getting away with 
really saying, well, let's talk about heresy as if it can even be on the table. The German bishops being the preeminent horrifying offenders of, of this whole reality. Thankfully, they recently failed to agree, God be praised, to pass anything, the silliness they were working on. But so the darkness is descending. Well, what happens when that happens? He always raises up light at the same time because he's merciful, right? Well, he raises up light and renewal, and and often in those times, the spirit falls in unique, beautiful ways uh, that that reaffirm the ancient past, that uh, reveal new paths that never deny the ancient paths, but they're paths in the current crisis crises that that he's trying to reveal the way to resolve, right? And then, but the enemy, the great counterfeiter, is always then rises up too. And so, you know, I, I recent just this last week, I called a diocese and I said, somebody in our community is getting very interested in this exorcist. I find him interesting, orthodox, and fishy. And so I called the chancellor and he said, he's not an exorcist and we wish he would stop. So that's one example. There's another one in Canada, I won't say his name, who is all talking about revelation, sees angels, all this other stuff. And the stories just don't add up and it's disordered and it's weird, you know? So the great gift we have in the church is a proper understanding of our humanity and the limitations of our humanity, which goes back to the name of your whole apostolate. It goes back to this idea of doing what scripture commands us to do, which is test all things and hold fast to that, which is true. And that's a direct quote, I think, from Thessalonians, I think that one comes out of, test all things and hold fast that, to that which is true. It, it doesn't say, accept all things, test them when you're suspicious, and hold fast to what's proven. It says no. It says all things. So I, one of the most helpful, I don't know, ax, set of axioms we talk a lot about in Apostoli VA community is, uh, the human person has an infinite capacity for self-delusion infinite and little innate capacity for clear self-understanding, right? Which is why mental prayer is the huge powerhouse to solve that, but it doesn't ever perfectly solve it. We assess things based on how we desire them to be, not actually how they are. And, you know, I could go on and on. And we must be discerning people. Now, here's the other end of the problem. People like us, I think I know you well enough to know, I can say this, you can correct me. People like us, because we've been around the block a long time, can tend to be a little more on the suspicious end of the scale than on the open end of the scale. Yep. You, you know me, Dan. Yeah. yeah. You know me. And that's not necessarily a good thing, but... Right. right. But but if you're aware of it, that that's mm -hmm. cute, right? So what does that make me do? That What that makes me do is go, okay, I need to be open, right? Have to be open because the Holy Spirit's always moving in ways that we don't expect. And if we're not open, we'll miss that beauty and that goodness, right? That's right. But there is a way to be open and discerning. And I think John, Teresa, Ignatius are kind of the best set of, of two of them doctors, one not, but the best saints of, to help us to navigate these kinds of waters. And we should always test, always be open. And, and in fact, St. Paul says that, right? earnestly desire the gifts, stir up the gifts, you know, they waited in the upper room, they were open, they wanted to receive the Holy Spirit, you know, all of that. But then 
look at it when it, when it comes and say, is this from God or is this from the enemy? Or it is an admixture based upon us mucking the waters up um, because we're trying to manipulate reality in some way. And again, what we're talking about is the experience of, for the most part, people who are, I, I'll use the term again, a holy, pious intention of heart. True. Yes. They're trying really hard to follow the Lord, and then they have an experience. And unfortunately, sometimes there is a deeper wound in the heart of that person yes. that when something comes along and it seems to alleviate like a numbing solution, mm -hmm. that wound, it doesn't necessarily mean that's healed it, but it's numbed it. And you don't want to let it go because it seems to have helped. Yeah. And that begins to feed something that isn't necessarily a good thing. And again, I'm speaking more of right now, there are those who I, I have a more public platform because of our present time and our present media. It's easier for people to come out and say, I've heard this or I've done this or I've experienced this. And they can even write books about what they're, oh, what yeah. they've been hearing. Uh, Bishop Bruskowitz in Lincoln told me once in, a, in some conversations. He said, "You know, the the thing is, Chris, eighty percent, eighty to eighty five percent of rat poison is really good food. You know, it tastes really good, but it's the you know the fifteen percent that could kill you. So you yeah. have to be really careful. You know, and especially when it comes to spiritual matters." That's why turning to Teresa is so good, because she's always, as you've outlined, giving us some strong benchmarks and some practices so you don't get caught up. Part of that is letting go. Do you really need this in the long run? So I, I've just thrown a lot out there at Jess. No, actually, you anyway. noticed it's, it's some very good things I've actually been thinking about recently. I like to think of uh, sources that we draw from uh, as a ancient wells, you know, filled with water that you go to get. And what I think is a problem in our time is that people are not discerning about the wells, you know, and they're also lazy, right? I, I'm being mean here now, judgmental, but sometimes the wells that are most convenient that may or may not always be pure are the ones they like to draw from or they're familiar from with. But Look, if you if you if there was a well a mile away that nobody ever got sick from, that always had pure water, and there was a well a block away that people sometimes got sick from, why would you choose the local? I mean, it's just sloth or whatever. But we have to be careful, and I think you and I are are pretty careful about this. Is we need teachers who are drawing from pure will. And then if we're blessed to go to another well that we hadn't tested and we want to know if it's sound, we don't need to rely on our own judgment. We can draw and witness and compare and stay on the narrow way. But when we follow so many teachers that are not pure, and I don't mean perfect because I have no doubt I've made errors in my writings and what I've said and whatever. But I mean, fundamentally, with respect to how they understand God, how they understand humanity and salvation, the sacraments, the teachings of the church. And I think the last thing I'll say on that, because it's, it's such an important point you made, is the, the entire divine economy is ordered to bring us to union with God, catechism. That means you and I need nothing 
outside of the sacraments, the priesthood, the fundamental teachings of the church to get to heaven, to be saints. And I want to say it again. You and I and every single Catholic needs nothing beyond what is in the deposit of faith, what is in the core teachings of the, of the magisterium to get us to heaven. If there are other things that are icing on the cake are really good, like Fatima, awesome, but deeply tested, right? Fatima's mm -hmm. deeply tested. Big arguments about Fatima when it all first happened. And the church was very clear and definitive when it's, when it's all concluded. I don't want to overstate exactly how the definitive nature of it, because it's still private revelation, but deeply tested and vetted. So be blessed by it, but also understand if by God's providence, the third secret isn't as clear as it ought to be, it ain't as clear as it ought to be because he didn't allow it or he allowed some human machination to get in the way. I don't know why he would do it, but let's not obsess about these things. Let's focus on the core of our faith, which will light us up. It will set us free. It will heal us. It will bring peace. It will bring joy. And we need nothing outside of that. We'll return to St. Teresa of Avila, Spiritual Warfare and the Progress of the Soul with Dan Burke in just a moment. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. A Love Song by St. Teresa of Avila Majestic Sovereign, Timeless Wisdom Your kindness melts my hard, cold soul Handsome lover, selfless giver Your beauty fills my dull, sad eyes I am yours, you made me I am yours, you called me I am yours, you saved me I am yours. You loved me. I will never leave your presence. Give me death. Give me life. Give me sickness. Give me health. Give me honor. Give me shame. Give me weakness. Give me strength. I will have whatever you give. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, 
Or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to St. Teresa of Avila, Spiritual Warfare and the Progress of the Soul with Dan Burke. I'm so glad you said that, because I, I think that's that's very true. And I mean, there was one that I'll share, the one very strong and interior experience that I had. And I felt this, and it has been a driving force for me. And I'm, I didn't expect it. came out of the blue, sitting on an airplane, believe it or not, waiting for a takeoff. And it was as clear as day. It was, let the saints speak. Mm. Let the saints speak. That's your apostolate. Yeah, and the and the implication there for me in a very big way is not you. Don't let you speak. It's not about what you have to say. Right. Let the saints speak. And so, and I found them because I remember sitting there going, "What? Okay." And from that point on, it has taken layer upon layer. Incident upon incident, when I can, and I begin to understand, is just like in what you were just saying. The saints have demonstrated to us the totality of their life from their childhood. You know, they've been investigated from that point all the way to how it came to an end. And some of them, it wasn't always easy, even in their struggles. I'm thinking of Therese and even Teresa in her last days. Most of them thought they were all failures in some way. You know, they hadn't completed things. But when you look at the totality and breadth of their life and and it's lifted up, and then those who have written so beautifully and have given us guides, then we can go to them. Some of us are saints in the making. You and I, hopefully, Stephanie and Bruce, everyone out there listening, we're all saints in the making. You know, God willing, we cooperate with his grace to get us there. But in the meantime... You know, so the, the things that we will write, the things that we will do, hopefully, that will help others to be able to, to go on that same journey. But, you know, the hallmark, I think, and something that Teresa talks about here, and she demonstrated it with her life, was what that same Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI and those audiences beginning in August of 2010 on the experiences of women and the medieval women and their experiences of prayer that you can tell, he said, in some ways, I'm paraphrasing them, by their humility, but also in their obedience. They allowed it to be tested, and some of them were smacked down and had to deal, endure a lot of things. And yet it's because they endured it and God brought things out of it. I mean, another example, Padre Pio, yeah. he was obedient. Yeah. In what was done to him, and he didn't necessarily speak out, but he just kept persevering, and that's what made it. That's what made it shine. Like in that that passage from Wisdom, they were tested a little, mm-hmm. you know, and yet anything else was burned off, and everything rose up like light because of that testing. Yeah, that obedience, I think, is something you know that term deep listening that they allowed themselves. To go there. A lot of times today, Dan, we don't necessarily see that kind of obedience, that trust that, yeah. okay, it seems unfair, 
But, you know, like what Mary McKillop went through in Australia when, you know, she had to, or any of the other, any saint, Jean Jagan, for example, that letting go and just trusting in a more deeper way that the workings of God, that's a real sign, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's a sign of humility, right? I, I think sometimes the church has even chosen to suppress, to test the humility of the, of the person and to see their authenticity. It's a tough it's a tough thing, though. I mean, because in our time, not that it hasn't happened in the past, there's a lot of disorder inside the church. And so how do you face that? I, I think you have to dive deeply into obedience. But our first instinct, of course, should always be to obey. All things proposed to us by the magisterium, our first instinct should always be to uh, give, our, give our assent to it and then wrestle with it, right? And, and then if we're suppressed or if we're uh, told to be quiet for a while, know that that's, and it comes from a, a high authority, uh, that that's God's will and that it's part of our testing. And, and in, in this case, related to Teresa of Avila, of course, you know, the book of her life, her autobiography was confiscated by the Inquisition in the context of our conversation. And she had to deal with that and face that. And but but her what was her answer? I'm a daughter of the church. You know, I want you to evaluate my work, and I want you to tell me if I'm wrong, and I'll fix it if I'm wrong. I think that's both a part of her genius in dealing with uh, some of the crazy characters she was dealing with, but also an infusion of the heart, which is the church is my my spouse. It's it's you know God is my spouse, and the church is holy and needs to be treated as such. And and obeyed. So yeah, I, you know, that's one of the hallmarks of someone who's experiencing authentic uh, mystical realities is that they are humble. And when they're, I mean, I remember a woman who was writing, started a blog about her mystical experience. Well, I've had two contrasting experiences, one more plentiful than the other, but I've had many people reach out to me and say, I've had this great mystical experience and blah, blah, blah. And then I would ask them about, well, how's your prayer? I would ask them about basics and they would go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I had this experience and I'd ask them about it and they'd say, yeah, 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 you know. And so no humility, no docility is just all caught up in their experience, right? And then this one woman who was writing blogs about her mystical experiences, I reached out to her very gently and, and, and we had had some correspondence. And I said, hey, you know, this is probably really bad for your soul. It could easily lead to pride. It's, you know, it's, do you have a spiritual director? I'm, I'm sort of blending a few. And the answer was, well, in one case, I don't have a director. I'll get one. Dot, dot. Okay. I believe them. The other one was, I'll take it down, you know. And I thought, I believe them because there's no clinging. There's no attachment. There's no identity in the experience. Their identity is in Christ which is part of all of this testing of the spirits, part of all of the ways that we need to look at it. But if it creates, as Teresa said, pride and a clinging, John as well, it, it's to be questioned and to be concerned about. Yeah, and that, that can be uh, a difficult thing. It can be difficult for the person who is experiencing it because once you begin, there's so many, I just want, there's so many different ways that a soul can be deceived, and the and in the activities of the enemy, and then we'll, this will take us down a totally different conversation when we talk about you know exorcism and the activities of the enemy. But in this particular case, 
when you're dealing with locutions and things like that, some of the things that will come out, it will have a, a ring of truth, but there's always a hook. Mm-hmm. There's always some kind of a hook, just like in the, the great example is the tempting in the desert uh, when Jesus was fasting for 40 days and the activity of the enemy. There'll be something that will say, that will sound right, but then there's that hook. Yeah. And um, I've seen, a, you know, I've mentioned this in the past, but there was a rather prominent, you know, public association of the faithful that had gotten quite a following internationally that was located right here in Omaha. And like you said, it, and I knew the foundress, I knew her for several decades to the point where I, I asked her once, because I knew her spiritual director in the early in the beginnings of the community, and he had died. I asked her, well, do you mind if I ask who your spiritual director is? Because that was the course of the conversation that we were in. And she says, oh, I don't need one. The Holy Spirit is my spiritual oh, director. Oh, yeah. And that was that. And she made that statement to many people. That right there. Whoa. Wow. All um, we gave it. You know, that testing is very important. You know, I, I have to go back, Dan, and say this real quick. I mentioned Mary McKillop. And, you know, the, she was in Australia. She, when we talk about obedience, we're talking about the type of obedience that will allow spiritual matters to be put to the test. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, yeah. Lords. We were at Lords, and you know, many people may not even realize that there has only been, there has even been a hundred or a couple hundred. I, I'm not even exactly sure, but when you think of all the thousands of people and tens of thousands, probably more that have been there, only a small percentage has actually been, you know, declared authentic miracles and yet people will go there and they've experienced so lords that particular testing but um there needs to be a type of testing that is done you know that type of obedience that mary mckillop where she actually went against her bishop is because she saw abuse happening and she spoke out she listened deeply in obedience to the movements of that holy spirit and the teachings of the church and the teachings of the gospel and she knew what was happening was wrong, and she spoke out, and they excommunicated her. Yeah, and eventually that bishop left. Another one, she was reinstituted, and now she's a saint, first saint of Australia. It's different than what what Teresa Babila is saying in the sense that in the spiritual realm, you submit that to the bishop, and if there's a suppression, you need to be quiet. Yeah, for a while, and if they're not, that's a problem, isn't yeah. it? It is. Well, I think maybe we can wrap up with it. She gave us universal points. She gives us a lot of things to test locutions, but then she gives us kind of a universal set to test any supernatural phenomenon. And there's four of them. The first is knowledge of the greatness of God, right? Does the grandeur of God increase in the soul? Is the person, you know, more deeply and consciously aware and in awe of God? So that's one. The second one is self-knowledge and humility. It goes with this idea of obedience. But it's an awareness of what truly is real, your own flaws, your own brokenness, what's real about God. But then that brings about humility, which means you're always, even when you assert what you think is completely true, it's always tempered with, I believe, you know, not absolutely. I believe my locution I shared 
is completely true. But I don't. I will never know until heaven perfectly. But it's just it's reasonably deduced that it's true. But you, we have to be humble. The third is supreme contempt for earthly things. So it detaches us from the world and the flesh and the devil in whatever ways the devil has a, ta- has a hold on us through the world and the flesh. It makes us holy, essentially. And then the last one is the encounter is unforgettable. It's so deeply engraved in the memory and the heart, and it's so fruitful, right? If it's unforgettable, that presumes the passage of time and the testing of time, and that it stays and that its fruit remains and continues to to emerge. So those are good tests for any supernatural experience. And they can be found right here in the there book. You go. <laughs> Don't have to worry about writing it down. Better yet, look at look at all the tabs. And that's just I mean, I had to take some out because it was getting ridiculous. <laughs> There's so much more here, especially on the sixth mansion. And Dan, you have you know, your humility. I mean, in your grace and in sharing, and I'm so grateful for that. I know that as we walk in this journey and we begin to examine things, sometimes the things that we see, just like with me, let me just put it this way. I don't think we're Eucharistic people if we don't believe in the power of transformation. That's right. I don't know if we give others the benefit. Mm of allowing them to be transformed, you know, and going back and taking a look. And I think that's important, don't you? I do, I do. That's a whole other subject. I, we need to be uh, kind and patient and we're gentle and constantly helping, calling people to deeper relationship with the Lord, being clear and unapologetic about what we know to be sin, but loving. I, I just am always so moved by Jesus's compassion and how he didn't just he didn't just stand off from tax collectors and sinners and say you need to repent you you know terrible people he said let's 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 have a meal together let's talk together let's be together let's implicate ourselves in, the, in, in one another's lives and let's walk together and figure this thing out and that's what it means by what he, that's what he means by come unto me all you who are weary heavy laden you be rest by when he says my yoke is easy, my burden is light, it's because he becomes a burden bearer for the load we carry, and he heals the load we carry. Dan, thank you so much. And please give our all of us who are listening, please thank Stephanie for stepping up and sharing her experience. It's helped all of us. It's a deeply personal thing, but it's helped all of us to understand a little bit more. I will. You've been listening to St. Teresa of Avila, Spiritual Warfare and the Progress of the Soul with Dan Burke. To hear and or to download this conversation along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com or you can find it within the free Discerning Hearts app. Also, you can view the video of our conversation by visiting the Discerning Hearts YouTube channel. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you find us worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for St. Teresa of Avila, Spiritual Warfare, and the Progress of the Soul with Dan Burke.